So now um, I wasn't planning to start this way, but this little incident has forced me to change tact a bit. Um, I visited a church as a young boy. I'm not sure which church it was, but it was the one where you had the little book in your hand and then the father, who's dressed like a mother, comes up to the front and then he says, uh, God be with you. Uh, Somebody's heard that. (laughs) And what happened was, this guy came out and he started saying, God be with you, and nothing happened. No response. And then he realized the mic was off. But everybody knows the rhyme so well. So he says, there's something wrong with this mic. And everybody goes, and with you. (laughs) I hope you wouldn't you wouldn't saying that in your heart, okay? But I want to say that up in the prayer meeting, it was the most intense time of prayer that I've experienced in a while. I really want to say, well done, guys. I mean, for pressing in like that, it makes it easier to to come and preach off the back of that kind of prayer time. And I really felt that in that moment up there, God gave me a picture that it's similar to when you you run a 100-meter race. Now, I always refer to 100 meters because I used to be a a 100-meter sprinter, and I'll never forget the first time I ran a sub-10. When I came in under 10 10 minutes, the, (laughs) the whole school was standing. They were just cheering me on. Run, forest. <laughs> but I had this picture. It will get serious now, I promise. When I had this picture of the starter just standing with his gun, and before he, he sets the race, everybody sort of warms up and they flex their muscle um, and they get rid of the track suits. And there's a, it looks like they're just walking around until he says... On your marks. And there's a seriousness that comes when he says, on your marks. And I experienced that up there. When, when we prayed, I felt God said, on your marks. And I feel that as we're going to minister tonight, the Holy Spirit is going to whisper in your heart, set. And then it's time to go down and do business with God. And I want to encourage you, focus, because at some point, he will pull the trigger. And I don't want you to get a fright when the gun goes off. I want you to leave those blocks and run into this new season that God has for you. Like you've never run before. I want you to leave, the picture I had is that you will leave the past behind the way a 100-meter sprinter leaves the blocks behind. He, doesn't, he knows somebody else will pick it up. It's safe. He, doesn't have to, he just needs to run. And I, I really feel that God wants to redirect some people today. Maybe you've been standing around, just dwindling around, without focus, without really any intentional moving forward, and God wants to deal with that today.
So the way it's going to work is, uh, I really felt in my heart that we need to just share the word of God, because I feel that there are t- that there are break there's some breakthrough for for some people here. God wants to break through in your life, and then we're going to go into a time of worship, where you're going to publicly declare before God, not before man, but before God, what He has done in your life. Because the word is clear that. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's not just a thing, often we just plead the blood. But we need to testify of the goodness of God. So, I'm going to speak about the barriers to worship. Now, I understand that worship is a huge topic. We'll never be able to do justice to worship in, a, in, in the time frame that we have here. So, I'm going to speak on a teeny weeny little bit. A portion of worship, and that is the barriers to worship. And for that, we'll turn our first read. We'll have two readings basically. But the first is the one that Lee stole from me in the prayer meeting um, John 4, verse 23. And it says this But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Now, that's just the, the, the point of a departure. Some of us might say, we had a wonderful time of worship here now. And now that was just worshiping God in song. That's just a portion of worship. Worship is much wider um, when, I can't remember his name now, but... When this brother spoke about tithing, we need to worship God with our finances with the same passion that we exhibited here tonight. So we're going to speak about that. So you might say, you might say, but what, what, how do I worship? What should I worship God about? And, and that's the, that's first of all the wrong place to start because normally we worship God when we get a tax return. It's not going to happen this year. <laughs> so if you're waiting for a tax return to worship, you're not going to worship this year. Maybe not for the next few years. But we wait for an occasion where something good happens to us, and then we worship God. But the reality is we should worship God because of who He is. Not because of what He's done for us. We should worship God because He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. That's who he is. We should, worship, we should worship God because he is Jehovah Nissi, our banner, our protector, our deliverer. That's who he is. We should worship God because he's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. It's not a maybe. It's not an iffy thing. That's who he is. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's our peace. And if you, if you haven't had anything lately to worship God about, there's four, four reasons to worship God. But we find that as children of God, there are barriers to our worship. We, we mistake sometimes performance for worship. It's a big concern that people will look at a performance and say, that's worship. Worship comes from within. Worship is not necessarily 
triggered by a good performance. Uh, uh, Lee's a bit prophetic. You're going to hear some, some car stories. <laughs> I, love, I love big engines. I love big motorbikes. Um, but I stood next to a um, Ford Mustang. Now the other day, and I believe that's a car that God wants us to ride. I believe that's a... Now there's a scripture that says we know not yet what we shall be. And you get a Ford Mustang Shelby. Um, <laughs> so, so, but I'm standing next to this car and I, I'm waiting that the owner will come and start it up. And the owner came and it was a, a lady in her 30s. I didn't expect it to be a lady. And I didn't expect it to be in her 30s. She gets into the car, starts it, and it goes, I'm like, this is supposed to be a Ford Mustang. And I was disappointed at the sound because it it was one of those eco stuff. (laughs) See, what I wanted was a, a roar of the engine. I wanted to go, wow. And often we, our worship is, is, is limited because we stop at the looks, what we see. We, we look at this car and it looks like it's nice. It, it should have a nice sound. And because we have been disappointed... When you get to the next Mustang, you don't even bother to wait for them to start it up. And some disappointments of the past might limit you from entering in to the presence of God and worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. That's just one of the barriers, a disappointment of the past. We tend to stop at the signboards of life. But... God goes beyond signboards. You see, we, when, when the worship time on stage stops, worship does not stop. We switch off and now we're going into the word. And God, the, the picture is the angels are worshiping 24-7. And we are preparing for This is the dress rehearsal for heaven. We're getting ready for that. So let's, let's look at... Uh, Exodus, because I think Exodus is a good place to preach worship from. And we're going to look at some of the barriers to worship. So I'm going to read Exodus 5, verse 1 and 2 and 3, and then we'll go along. It says here, Afterwards Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, uh, the, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast for me, in the wilderness. And that is similar to saying, let my people go to worship me. God is calling his people to worship. And then immediately we, we see the first barrier to worship. Because Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Isn't it strange that Pharaoh thinks that he's in charge of worship. The problem is that the Pharaoh of today, the Pharaoh of this world, the devil, 
still tries to control your worship. He still tries to tell you when to worship and when not to worship. He, by creating various circumstances, you might feel down a bit or something might happen on the way to church or to, to getting together like this. You might ride over a, a nail and get a puncture, whatever, and then what's the first thing? Well, then I'm not going. You know what? There, Pharaoh has just controlled if you are going to worship or not. You might get upset with, with, let's say your wife nags at you a bit, because I know wives don't. I'll just explain it because these wives don't. Right? Your wife nags at you. You go out, you kick the dog, the dog bites you. What do you do? Oh, then I'm, then I'm not going. How about it's going to be awesome worship? No, I'm not going. There are little stuff that the enemy does that still controls if God's people worships or not. So can I ask you, who's controlling your worship, God or Pharaoh? Who controls your worship? You see, God's picture, God's pattern is separation from the world. That's why I said... It says, let my people go, verse 3. Then they said, God, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we might sacrifice to the Lord or that we might worship. Three days. The God is a God of separation. You cannot serve the devil and God at the same time. That will affect your worship. Three days is very significant because in the olden days, before they had all these fancy machines, if you are declared dead for three days, you are really dead. And then, that's why Jesus' resurrection after three days is so important because he was really dead. He wasn't just asleep. He, was re- he really died. Then he rose again. So in the olden days, three days was important. It means something has died and there's separation. And now, now you're free, free from the world and you can worship God. But three days would have taken them, three days journey, if they walked three days journey from where they were, they would have been outside of the parameters of the control of Pharaoh. Let's say it's like the DA runs Cape Town, but further north, not. So three days journey would have put them outside of the control of Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh would not control their worship anymore. So Lee mentioned that I've, I've been saved 50 years. On the 14th of June this year, I was saved 50 years. By the grace of God, I'm so grateful. God has not... I mean, I, I was, I just came off heavy drinking. Uh, I was on the bottle 24-7, but it was a milk bottle. So, <laughs> I got saved at the age of seven, and God has kept me and protected me. It's, it's just been amazing, God's grace. So, I'm going to ask you, maybe you have not been saved 50 years. Maybe you are not 50 years old yet. But in the time that you are saved, what's the distance between the world and you? 
If you, if you save more than three days, you can't still be in the same vicinity as Pharaoh. That inhibits our worship. You see, some of us are, are saved for many years, but we're still going around the same little bush, and we wonder why there's no breakthrough. God wants to break through in your life today. God wants to change those parameters and says, come out from among them. Come and worship me. Because with God, everything is about obedience. When, when Pharaoh, um, in chapter 8, verse 27, when Pharaoh said, no, you can't go, Moses said, we must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. That's obedience. And God, I wonder how many times has God told you from this platform, get out from among the world. Get distance between you and sin. Just an interesting thought. Joseph, when he was put in, in the dungeon, because Pharaoh's wife claimed that he assaulted her, he did not go to prison because he touched her. He went to prison because he was just too close to sin. He didn't sin. He was just too close to sin. He was in the proximity of sin. And she grabbed his cloak. And when he ran away, he still didn't sin. But she had evidence that he was close to sin. And that got him into prison. So I'm asking you, what does the devil have in his hand that belongs to you? What does the devil have in his hand that could imprison you? Because you got too close to sin. God is calling for obedience. Now, in that same chapter, um, 8, verse 25, God is showing us the next, the next thing that could be a barrier to worship is compromise. Compromise. If you're com constantly compromising in your life, compromising, where's the young lady who prayed? On holiness. If you're compromising on holiness, you're going to battle to worship. It says here, and we're going to start off, he says, And Pharaoh called, called Moses and Aaron and said, Okay, go sacrifice to God in the land. What did God say? Three days journey. Pharaoh says, I'm giving you permission to worship, but in the land. That's compromise. And you might be happy, but I'm worshiping. But God didn't say in the land. God said three days journey. And when we settle for what Pharaoh demands from us, we compromise. So can I ask you, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions tonight. Can I ask you, in which areas have you compromised? Because it's, it's not just worship in terms of singing or sacrificing something. There are other areas in our lives that we compromise. I preached a message in Stellenbosch a couple of weeks ago, and God gave me a real hard word. As, as I preached, God tends to give me prophetic word as I, 
uh, as I speak. And God said to me, you need to pray for somebody. And he gave me a picture of the lady. And she was, she had no fat on her body. She was like, like a runner. I mean, I'll show you what it looked like. She looked like a runner, like an athlete, no fat on her body. And, and God said to me, no carbs, no sugar, but sexually immoral. Compromise. Now, you better pray that God don't give me a word like that tonight. Because as I shared the word, that young girl came running out to the front because she just couldn't take it anymore, living that lifestyle, knowing that she's a child of God. That's compromise. So it's not just compromising and not coming to the gathering of the saints. Compromise. There are many areas of compromise that we have to look out for. We look like the world. We worship like them. And then the main thing is, if you look at verse 26, why we, we cannot compromise and where there should be a check in our hearts if we have compromised. This is a nice way of measuring. It says, but Moses said, it will not be right for us to do so. That's worshiping in the land. For the offering sh- we shall sacrifice our Lord, our God, uh, are an abomination to the Egyptians. Can I ask you, is your worship offensive to the sinner? Is your worship offensive to the world? Because if you worship among them and they say, ah, funky tune, you haven't offended them. You haven't told them about Jesus. The gospel is a rock of offense. The gospel gets people, I mean, not everybody's hair will stand up, but some people's hair will stand up. And if our worship does not stir up the world, then maybe we're living in compromise. So, so as I go along, I, I pray that you will allow God to break open those areas. And then later as we come up to worship, as we come up to sing, to worship God in song, yes, we can start now if we want to. <laughs> if we come up to worship God in song, and you need some prayer, ask somebody, ask one of the leaders to minister to you. But breakthrough. You must get tonight. You can't walk out of, this, out of this place the same way that you walked in. So let's just walk through to um, chapter 10. This is another compromise that the enemy gets. He's got a way of getting under our skin. Moses says in verse 7 of chapter 10, Or, or, or then Pharaoh's uh, servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the, let the men go that they must serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that the Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back, in, back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Then he asked him a strange question, But which ones are to go? And Moses said, We will go with our young, our old, we will go with our sons and our daughters, and our flock and our herds. We must hold a feast for God. We're taking everything. It's a family event. Worship is, just not, is not just for the young. I promise you when we go out Saturday to worship, 
I want to see some of the old men stage diving, man. It's not just for the young. And make sure you catch them, please. But, but worship is not just for the young or not just for the old. We tend to categorize worship. Here he's saying, Moses says, we, want to wor- we all want to worship God with everything we have. That's the standard. So here comes the hook. You can go, but he said, leave your little ones behind. Imagine leaving your children in Egypt and you going off to the wilderness. You know what that means? You have to come back. He's got you. Checkmate. And, and what, what, what saddens me is how often I see people happily involved in the life of the church, but the kids can decide if they want to stay home and watch whatever they want to watch. We can't leave our children in Egypt and worship that's a barrier. Because what, you know, your mind is going to be, I wonder, I wonder if they're burning the house down. I wonder what they're watching. I wonder, did I put the code in on DSTV so that they can't watch the adult movies? I wa- you know, you can't focus on what God is doing because the kids are in Egypt. When we go to worship God, we take our kids with. My son is 35, 35. When he worships, even till today, I mean, I watch him when he sings. He stands like this and he, and he sings. And it's a peculiar way of standing. But he sta- and his hands are loose like this. And people have often ask me, why does he do that? I'll tell you why. Because when he was little, he had brain damage, unfortunately. And God he started healing him. It was a process. And at five, he really started walking Sort of the way other kids would walk at the age of one and a half or two. So it was a huge battle for him. But I would take him to the front, like you guys come to the front. Yeah, I would take him to the front, and he would stand on my feet. And he would hold my hands like that. And he grew up worshipping with his hands in the hands of his father. And you know what? He just carried on worshipping like that. We must take our children with us. We need to lead our children in worship. We can't expect the worship team or the team leader to lead our children into worship. That's our job. We can't leave the kids in Egypt. And then he says to them, now this is, a, this is going to be a bit of a technical one. He says to, he says to them, he, he insinuates, leave your wives here. Now some guys will say, okay, we're going to worship. Mm. No, no, no. Take a step back. Take a step just remove that thought. Got to take her with you. And we'll see in a, in a moment why it's important. We cannot. You see, the devil has, has really, what's the word? He's, he's, he's undermined what God wanted to do by binding men in long hours of working. So that they say to the wives, why don't you go? I'm going to be late. You know, it's our duty to lead our wives to the place of worship. Men, we've got a responsibility before God. And even if you're not married yet, get this point. When you're married, you lead your wife to a place of worship. Men have abdicated that responsibility. And that's a barrier 
to worship. We pray, Lord, break through today. But there are some stuff that we can do to change what's happening around us. Leave your wives. And then in verse uh, 25 of chapter 10, it says, uh, of 24, it says, Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go and serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. And let your flocks and your herds remain behind. So he says, take your wives, take your kids, but don't take your cattle. Now think about what's worship in the olden days. You've got to, you've got to take a lamb, you've got to take a bull, you've got, to, you've got to sacrifice an animal. But if, if they left their herd and their cattle in Egypt, they were just going for a hike in the wilderness. It would not be a time of worship because they would have nothing to sacrifice. They would have no worship. And it is often said, and we've seen it many times, that a person's heart gets saved long before his wallet gets saved. Because they leave the wallet in Egypt. I used to have, God really blessed me, I used to have five companies. And I made one error. I said that from this one company, I'm going to give God everything. And things went well. God, God just, just added and added. And then one day I realized I never did what I said I was going to do. And the finances of that company was now in the form of a 530 BMW. The finances of that company was now in the form of a boat with a four by four. The finances of that company were still in Egypt. And then we lost everything. We lost everything. I walked out with my wife and my two kids. Why? Because I tried to worship God with leaving my herd and cattle in Egypt. God is calling us out of Egypt to a place of freedom where we can worship with wild abandonment. But it will take obedience. I promise you, if you, if you remain obedient, God will vindicate you. God will bring you out and he will give his son as the Passover lamb to set you free so that you can go and worship. And I'm going to make a few remarks in closing about that Passover lamb. And I want you really not to lose focus here now. Don't think, oh, that's the end, so now we're going to sing again. And this is where God, I believe God is going to speak to a couple of people personally. See, because the only way, God gave them the, the pattern. You've got to leave Egypt, and you've got to go into the wilderness so that there's no distraction when it comes to worship. I want, I want your undivided attention. That's what God is saying. I don't want anything else to compete for my attention. and I don't want to compete for, against anything else. I, I, I'm afraid that God often has to compete for our attention. We heard it before. We heard it that, uh, you know, screens and, and whatever. There are so many things out there that God has to fight against. 
to get our attention. So he says, I want to set you free. And the way I'm going to do it is, you've got to take a Passover lamb, you've got to take a lamb without blemish. And he says, you've, the fathers of the house needs to pick the lamb, he then needs to set the lamb aside, and then he needs to constantly check the lamb to see that there's no blemish. Now, the reason they had to do that, because some of the guys would take the weak lamb, the one that would not sell at the market, the one with, that's, the, one with the broken leg, or the one with the seven eyes, or the six tails. They would take that one because they're going to kill it anyway. So let's give it to God. That's not part of the 90% we heard of. When we give God the second best. They had to see that this lamb was without blemish. And then they had to sacrifice the lamb. They had to cut the the throat. They had to put the um, blood in a basin. And the blood in the basin would not save them. Nowhere do you read that the blood in the basin saved the people. No, they had to take hyssop and they had to apply it to the doorpost and to the lintel. And if you are found behind the blood, you will be saved. Now here's the application. That got you free. Your, your path to freedom, to free worship, was the way the, blood, the lamb was handled. If you didn't do it that way, if you got a better idea, if you, if you like were some of the clever guys in church, they always come up to the preacher and say, you should, have said, you should have said that. And you know what, there at that point you could have said that. I've got a better idea. We, we have one or two of that somewhere floating around. But if you came up with a better idea, and you actually did, did, did designed a spray gun, and you decided you're going to spray the blood on, wouldn't get, you, wouldn't get you saved. Wouldn't protect you. Because there was a specific instruction given. And you had to follow the instruction. So here's the instruction for freedom of worship. Number one. The father of the house had to pick the lamb. The father of the house had to choose the lamb. Dad, You are responsible to choose the lamb, to choose the sacrifice that will lead your family into free worship. What I mean by that? If you don't know the lamb, if you have never, if you've never chosen the lamb, Jesus Christ, how are you going to lead your people to worship him? You see, it's not okay to send your family To a gathering like this. It's not okay to tell your people. My wife is praying for me. We set the temperature. We take responsibility before God. For choosing the lamb. And then the next thing is. He chose the lamb. And it says. Every man had to choose a lamb. So just because. You don't like lamb. Didn't set you free from not choosing a lamb. God says. Every man will choose a lamb. You will not go to heaven 
on the basis of the lamb that your wife chose. It's a choice you have to make yourself. And it's a choice with the responsibility of leading your family into freedom of worship. So he had to choose the lamb. Then he had to inspect the lamb. Can I ask you, Dad, are you checking the doctrine that's going into your family? He had to inspect the lamb that that sacrifice was worthy of being given to God. I tell you, there, there are believers giving their children books that children should never read. Books that open their hearts up to the occult. Books that will most probably lead them astray. We have the responsibility of inspecting everything. Even if it's the lamb. We need to check the doctrine of what we're exposing our kids to. There's stuff that we... Not everything on the God channel is good for us, eh? Not everything. Dads, we've got, to be, we've got to be diligent. And we've got to keep our eyes open because we stand before God to check the theology and the doctrine that our family is exposed to. He had to expect the lamb. He had to sacrifice the lamb. He had to lead his family. And then he had to apply the blood. See, often we, men leave the, the, the praying and they leave the, the spiritual part for the wife to do. That's not biblical. It is, it is our duty to choose the lamb, to check the lamb, to sacrifice the lamb and to apply the blood. And there's no way out. There's no, there's no out clause. And it says, and then they had to eat the lamb. You see, you can't teach your family to worship if you're not eating of the very flesh of Jesus Christ. When he, when he said in uh, what we know as communion, he said, drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. What he's saying is, partake of me. Take me in. Let I become part of you. And as you take me in, give to your family. Let them eat as well. Worship is not 15, 20 minutes uh, as part of the church service. When we leave here, our work truly starts. Dads, it's not, it's not just my idea. This is God's requirement for freedom of worship. We have a role to play. And the picture I have, and, and, and this is the final point. When, when you eat, when you partake of that lamb that was sacrificed and grilled in a very specific way, you take some of it, and you give it to your child. And you introduce the lamb to your children. You give some to your wife. 
he introduced the lamb, Jehovah. We, are, we have not been called to just walk behind the wife, the kids, and we five meters behind as we walk in the doors. It's our job to introduce the Lamb of God to our family, to our children. And yes, life has, might have thrown us a few curveballs, and we, maybe we, we've slipped up. And today is not a moment of judgment. This is a moment of grace. Where God says, you got it wrong. But I'm going to give you a chance to get it right. And as we worship, as we worship, that picture I had of the 100 meter sprinter, when that gun goes off, he leaves that blocks behind And in that race, he will not return to it. He doesn't run and look back to see if it's still there. He runs for the finish line. His focus on God. And as we come up now to worship, our focus needs to be on God. And our priority needs to be to lead our family into worship. And my prayer is that we will be like David, that tonight, it was good to see a lot of men in front, but tonight that God will set men free and give them the courage to take up their responsibility, and that there will not almost be space for a lady up front, because the men will become even more undignified than what they've ever been before, before their holy God. God is calling us. He's saying, let my people go so that they can worship me. God's calling you to worship, but to lead your family in to worship.